0: are listening to the
1: Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did
2: you say you're doing wrestling
1: moves? Oh, God, I'm bleeding. Jason kale is walking around on stilts, he's
0: fucked up. I like to spice our pee bottle.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Welcome back to the podcast, Feedy. Thank you. It's good to be here. In my living room. As always, I don't think we're ever anywhere else. No, not really. Well, we were in Matt Samet's living room that this was, weekend. Yeah, that was super fun. Wasn't that nice? It was nice. Well, you know, let's not go there, though. Let's, go, let's talk about you. Oh. Because I haven't seen you much lately. I'm around here. But we're not around each other. I know. I've been feeling the distance too. Me too. We're gonna need an intervention. Um, You've been a busy boy, though. You took a uh, ThunderCling reporting trip, I hear.
0: Correct. Um, Where'd you go? Our first, our first scouting slash reporting trip was to the Ure Ice Festival. Oh yes. Where I'm happy to report, I ate a lot of crepes from the Petzl stand. Crepes. That delicious. was delicious. Cool. What flavor? Um, they. I. You know. I gotta go old school. I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it safe and just go with the Nutella. <laughs>
1: Ooh, they tell on crepes are the best. Dude, anyway. those
0: Petzl, the petzel boys, they do not skimp on the the meaty crepes. What does meaty crepes mean? I don't know. They were just thick. It was heavy. Ooh. When they handed it to me, it was like, whoa. The guy was like, careful. What? What? Now, where was this? Uh, <laughs> where was this man from? He's probably—I don't know—he, he, I think he's from Canada. Oh, they sound like that. No, sound they sound like.
1: <laughs> because the be crepe, careful. young man over in Nova Scotia this kills people Thank in Nova, Nova Scotia. Yeah. Anyway, so the crepes were great. Now, was there ice climbing also at this oh, yeah, festival? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: So <laughs> after we walked around for a while, um, we watched them climbing. I was, conf- uh, dude, I, I don't know anything. You about watched ice the camp. climbing? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It looked hard. It was mixed. Yes. They climbed something called Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. Onto the a box that floated in the air
1: in like a, a trapeze or uh, uh what are they called? trapeze bar yeah there's a trapeze bar
0: yeah the best part of the comp for us was maybe the parents of one of the competitors oh god were like were like sitting in front of us and they were like bawling they were crying one of, it was the uncle was crying and then they were like s- suddenly just started talking to us telling us the story of how <laughs> she met her <laughs> husband at the Ure Ice Festival a long time ago. And then they conceived the child in Moab, and it just got way too detailed. And what's the uncle's story? What What's he bawling for? He, he was crying because he was so proud of his little nephew. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. And What
3: it, a nice—that doesn't belong they anywhere also, near Thunder.
0: They also talked about how went, during the trip that the son was conceived, the uncle was wearing an apron without any— anything underneath it and
1: we whoa the uncle i know i'm this con- uncle sounds like a, a yeah. little bit of a sketchy dude dude it was weird <laughs> man and they were his name
0: no oh, okay we'll never know his son the the kid's name was keenan
1: oh keenan i know you were we conceived. Know your uncle if we know what your uncle was doing <laughs> while you were conceived yeah he was cooking eggs in an apron and nothing now, else. now did you in your lovely uh partner girlfriend yeah. uh ice climb did you dabble with
3: the uh i'm MC happy to stack?
0: i'm happy to say that at the end of the day we uh actually went to a very special wall it was actually the kids wall oh and i the gre- the bunny the, slope i beat the shit out of all those kids at ice climbing dude did you really
1: yeah those little f- little kids couldn't, didn't have anything on me dude nice <laughs> well good for you man i wouldn't expect anything less and did the girlfriend do okay she did good too. That's she beat up the kids as well. <laughs> no, it
0: was just me. That was me ice climbing. Uh, and as I passed few of the kids, I was like, <laughs> "Watch out, kiddo." <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Okay, little kids are adorable when they're doing anything, but not if it's even remotely competitive. Yes, then they stop being adorable. Well, one of those little kids was up there, and his foot fell off. Like the the boot the
1: boot. Wait, the crampon? Yeah, his no, his entire boot fell off his foot. Well, that seems like that seems like some <laughs> parental responsibility. They're not tying that time, and them. he was just up
0: there, like just he looks so lost. He's like, I don't. No one told me if this could happen. I'm humiliated. This is the p- turning point in my life. What if it would have hit the belayer in his? It could have. It was close. It would
1: have front pointed his eyeball. Yeah. All that, right. Anyways, <laughs> and then you went to Roy this weekend as well. This <clears> is why <what throat> I haven't seen you. You've been gone. You've been. A,
0: yeah, Colorado Traveler.
1: Yeah. Roy is amazing place. It's so close,
0: comparatively, and I love living in the desert. Yes, laying in my back of my van, yeah, looking at the shooting stars. Yeah, just that sounds great, man. Wearing an apron and nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah, that's my favorite part. And then going to bed at like seven p.m. and then being shocked at how early it is, but so tired.
1: Yeah. Well, there's nothing to do. What do you do? <laughs> You've been a busy beaver, dog. Busy beaver. It feels like it. What it, what have you been doing? Uh have I'm embarrassed to say. I don't want to say, but I will say if yeah, I am not I'm not that embarrassed. You know who Mary Kondo is? The the um I've heard of her show, it's very popular right now. It is
0: very the, is it called the Art of Tidying Up? I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's Mary Kondo,
1: Mary Kondo showity
4: blibity blibbity. Yeah.
1: yeah, so we've been watching that a bit. Yeah. Um I don't know why. I'm not particularly <laughs> enthralled by it, but there it is on my T V screen. Uh, so I took a page out of her book and I spent today, Mary condoing the ever loving shit balls out of my house. I just
0: stay away from that show cause I know it's targeted at disgusting, unclean humans like me it's tar- and I, yeah. and I don't want to be shamed.
1: It is. It's not that you know what, man, I'll tell you something right now. Mm. It is a bit, it is a bit like getting your wings. Like I feel like I could fly a little bit right really? now. Yeah.
0: But there's still so much clutter in here. I just hit That's a box. Also, see, like you spent the whole day cleaning. Like I know that'll
1: happen to me and I just can't. It feels pretty good. I can't believe some of the shit that I have lugged from house to house to house. In the last five years, I threw away three computers today. What the fuck? Like what? why, am I, why do I have old computers?
0: Are they working?
3: Yeah, well they work, but they're crap.
1: <laughs> like I wipe them and then I just put them away and I'm like, okay, I'll recycle that later. And I finally found the box today, and I've been lugging those things since, like, 2010. What about your emotional baggage? That <laughs> I fear Mary Kondo cannot. <laughs> Mary Kondo can help you there? No, no, that's an Pandora's <sighs> box of Fair enough. hellish angst and humiliation. You're saying that it never <laughs> goes away? I mean, I hope someday it does. I, I rue to think what will happen if it doesn't go away. Mary Kondo, help me. Mary Kondo, help me Marie with Kondo, my emotional baggage um we had a pretty exciting weekend for climbing fucking climbing too yeah
0: it was the nationals
1: right yeah you were in roy i was in roy so you're gonna have to fill me in here it was pretty good now we've talked about this what two episodes in a row uh about usa climbing and how they uh have a new partnership with espn Mm -hmm. dude remember sam farber which we were that guy we were talking about megan martin's partner yeah the guy who's not a climber yeah Boom! He got fired. Really? Yeah, he got canned. Oh, <laughs> so he got fired, and I don't know if he got fired, but he is not there anymore. There's yeah. some other guy, um, much much better. That's good. Uh, the filming, the production value was way better than last time. There weren't just like ESPN posters on a wall. Yeah. There were like light boxes. Um,
0: was Megan Martin still commentating? She
1: did a great job, Sweet. even better than before, and um. The only fucked up thing that the guy said is like, oh, boy, Kyra Kondi had some trouble clearing that obstacle. (laughs) So he kept calling, the first day he kept calling Boulder Problems obstacles, Obstacles. but the fucking next day, he didn't ever say it. Wow. Someone was like, look, do you remember what happened to the last guy? Yeah. Do you remember Sam Farber? He's buried (laughs) in in Connecticut right now behind the ESPN facility. Oh my God. (laughs) That's true. That's what I heard. Um. But I bet Megan was like, "Don't fucking call it an obstacle, dude." I <laughs> I get hate mail for this. I don't deserve hate mail. You do. Yeah, you do. And um, he like he was calling Sierra Blair Coyle Claire.
4: Mm. He's like, oh, Claire
1: just barely falls off that one, and it's like Megan's like Sierra.
0: And he's like, oh, okay. Well, that's weird because like that's not even any of her names. Well, Blair, Coyle And he's combining them to be
1: Claire Yeah Um, But it was a great production uh, And the comp was awesome, dude I didn't know that I liked watching comps so much Like, I truly
0: do I love it I'm ready to give it another chance Because I gotta be honest I've tried in the past And it was kind of fun But I've never been like I'm gonna gonna go home and tune in So I'm gonna give it another chance
1: Dude, Alex Johnson she came one right back after years, years. off the climbing <clears throat> circuit, and God, that's got to feel good. A couple, I think, just a couple tenths of a point out of first place. She got the fucking silver medal, dude. That's pretty sick. And Ashima just destroyed it. And then who won for the guys? It's Sean Bailey. Sean Bailey. Yeah, and Steezy he rushed in finals. Nathaniel Coleman did great. So it was super exciting. I really, really enjoyed it. As a man of my age, I felt like I was watching preschoolers. That <laughs> that's something I'm going to have to get over. Like, do is there a senior circuit that I can watch? That'd be kind of fun. Dude's like clutching their back when they fall no! down.
3: Oh, Jesus. My sciatica! My
1: sciatica. Dave, you could be perfect for that. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> I, I dream of competing on the senior circuit every day. And what else? What else is going on? There's a new climbing channel or something? Correct. So? Mellow,
0: the channel put up by Daniel Woods, Kevin Takahashi-Smith.
1: Jimmy Webb. Jimmy Webb. Thank you. What's of his name? What do you mean?
0: It's called Mellow. I don't know. They have an Instagram and they have a the YouTube. They channel, have a YouTube right? channel as well, and they post videos biweekly, I believe. Uh huh. And it's just all of those really strong boys. Those are strong boys. Strong boys uh, climbing really hard boulders. That sounds pretty hot to me. I'm excited about it. I think it, the climbing community need a little kick of cool. And that's quality. cool production.
1: Is it good production? I've only watched a couple. Some it are seems better little, than others. It seems a little stony. <laughs> and I love stony, but uh, there's a certain amount yeah. of stony that... You mellow. To oh, you gotta yes. come over and check out chat- our channel. Dude,
0: come, home, come over to my house watch this video me w- climbing this boulder.
1: What is the channel called? It's called bro? Mellow. No way. I kind of like the word Mellow, I gotta be honest. I do too. Do you remember Mellow Yellow? Hmm. The rip-off we don't go there. of Mountain Dew? We don't go there. Like, hee-haw? <laughs> <laughs> right, hee the best that's, one. That's inside baseball. Anyways,
0: uh, all this stuff about the national championships was relevant to this episode because we talked to about it.
1: Yeah, we have an episode that I am particularly <laughs> excited about, for sure. So for this episode, we got in contact with the editor, of the, climbing. the multi-time editor of Climbing Magazine, Matt Samet. Who is also a former professional climber, one of the headiest American first ascensionists ever, um, and a pretty highly acclaimed author. Yeah, he's written three or four books as well. Death Grips, the climbing dictionary, and the Crag Handbook. Yeah, is it called the Crag Handbook? I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's something like that. Death Grip is his opus. It's kind of a. It's called Death Grip: A Climber's Escape from Benzo Madness. Yeah. So it's about his struggles, like, kicking benzodiazepines. And if you have not read this book and you like climbing literature and you want to learn more about Matt Samet, please read it. I actually haven't read it, and I would love to. Oh, my God. It's yeah. so, I, it, like, truly, truly so, so good. Yeah.
0: Um, and then the other fellow we had was Kevin Corrigan. Yes. Ex-college humor vet.
1: Uh, Ex-onion writer. That's right. Wrote for <laughs> The Onion, wrote for College Humor. And now he's a digital editor at climbing yeah so two pretty divergent badass personalities yeah and so th- what i wanted to do with thundercling is each episode i want it to be like its own capsule yeah you know what i mean like a self-contained if you if you just listen to this one episode you don't need an, any referential <gasps> bullshit so this particular conversation is going to be a lot about like climbing magazine and publishing from like writing the story to deadline to sending it to press. It's gonna talk about if you if you read climbing magazine, you'll know that it over the last decade it has changed like once a year for <laughs> 10 years. Like it has really evolved. Yes. Um a couple different times. We're gonna talk about we're gonna get into the weeds about publishing, climbing writing, and how a magazine comes together. And if climbing magazines are even relevant anymore?
0: That's a tough question.
1: That's We get into it, yeah. and we're going to talk about college humor and Kevin's like... Yeah, I look, I, I have to say I was a
0: little bit fanboying because I used to watch all those videos when I was in high school and early college, and
1: it was cool to cool to meet Kevin. Yeah, me. if you've watched college humor...
0: You've probably seen
1: Kevin. You have seen Kevin's face. Um, we're going to talk about Matt's writing career, and we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about... Um, The comp scene, like the ESPN and USAC, USAC, their partnership, and what Kevin and Matt think about it from kind of a a publishing standpoint or writing standpoint, we're also very importantly going to talk in an extended way about Chris Sharma's hair (laughs) through the years. A very important topic, please. It's something that I think about almost every night, usually right before I go to bed. Yeah. Right after. Right after I I blow out the candles on his altar that I have set up for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and usually you're there with me. You're usually the one who blows them I'll, out.
0: I'll sometimes be outside of the room looking yeah. in. <laughs> through the people? Through the
1: Yeah, through the people. I knew, I always saw you. Uh, you can yeah. see the shadows of your feet underneath the door. Kind of shuffling
0: about. Yeah, Lynn is okay with me coming in at night, right?
1: Uh, she has mentioned that she doesn't feel particularly safe when you're in the house.
0: It's a habit I'm trying to quit because let's be honest, it's kind of a drive for me to get
1: here. <laughs> yes, it is. On that note, uh, should we listen to what <laughs> Kevin and Matt have to say? Yeah. I think
2: so. the <laughs> right. Yeah, there's
1: no you're the only one left over.
0: How how big is the the group at climbing? Magazine? Or how many I mean, employees in, are you guys
5: just actual or just climbing? Yeah. It's me, Kevin, James, and then we have an art director half-time, then we have a guy on ad sales.
0: That's crazy cuz I always thought it was a way bigger, like production, I guess.
5: People always think that. I mean, you look at the masthead and there's all these yeah. names, but that's mm-hmm. because of the company that owns us. Okay. And basically all those other people do is, is seem to get in our way and <laughs> give me a hard time about earning more money. I, I mean, mean, climbing used to be big. When I started there in 2002, I think there were four or five, maybe even six full-time editors. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. And yeah. like two art directors. and three Two art directors? Yeah, salesperson and a marketing person. And now it's just like, yeah, three people.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's sort of plays to that like trope of how social media and all all the rise of the internet and is sort of just making it harder for paper establishments to like kind of reach an audience I guess yeah it's impossible so
1: I have a question for you
2: (laughs) you're gonna need to edit that out bro (laughs) get real close to the mics of the levels peak so you can see where it is
1: I have a question for you oh yeah see the line's blinking right there
2: Pardon the interruption.
1: What is your problem, Dave? I, I have a problem where when I think that I want to ask somebody a question, I say, I have a question for you, as though I am taking my inner monologue to a slaughterhouse and killing it.
0: Dave, normal people just talk about things. They They're, don't have to like... They don't say, hey, I have
1: something to talk about. Maybe actually... Fuck, yeah, they kind of do. They kind of do, actually. <laughs> Back to the show. Uh, <laughs> So
5: there's three of you, and a halftime art director. So she's working with us. Claire is that Claire? Name? And she works on National Parks Journal. So she kind of splits her time between the two
1: titles. So you, what do you do? What is your job as editor uh-huh. at climbing magazine?
5: I mean, as editor, I mean, with such a small staff, really, I think it's it's hard to sort of delineate where one job ends and another job begins i mean kevin's job's pretty clear he's digital i mean i guess his editor i seem to do everything print i mean so back in the day at climbing light when i had the big staff yeah there was like a gear editor and a photo editor and then you know there was an editor-in-chief and a managing editor and a senior editor and associate a couple of associate, editor. associate yeah like basically i'm the editor and james is associate editor and we divvy up the print and Kevin has some role in that too, and we do everything. So, I call in photos, I call in gear, you know. I select photos, I test gear, I help get the text edited and ready for print, and then um, help with the production as well. So, proofing, copy editing, etc. So, we, yeah, with such a small staff, basically do everything. And you edit photos. Yeah, yeah. Between Claire and I, we sort of pull selects together. Or if James is working on a feature, he'll pull the selects too. Like basically, if it's your department, you're responsible for the art for that department.
1: Okay, so in the new episode or in the new issue, uh-huh. let me find out here. This was a fucking incredible story too. Oh, by the, the mug way, stump one. yeah, the mug stump is yeah, great. The author Dude. did a great job. I think. Holy made. crap! Yeah. Um, where did James go in this episode or in this issue? James, he wrote the Slovenia feature. So I didn't read this one. Did he go to Slovenia? These guys
5: all did. They took an edit trip there in oh, like, 2017. So yeah. yeah, I was there too.
1: Okay, so when you guys go, is that on. Does Climbing Magazine pay for that?
2: Uh, for that. So we do one trip a year that we call like our editor's trip where we're going and testing gear. And at the same time, we're going to like a cool destination we want to write about. Uh, and when we do that, we try to team up with a tourism board from. Yeah wherever that is so like you know we wouldn't be able to pay for sending a bunch of people to Slovenia out of climbing's budget but uh travel Slovenia paid for us to do that so we could
4: Mm.
1: yeah deals and that's what you guys did with the Cayman one as well
5: yeah we had help from the um, Cayman Islands Department of Tourism so they picked up everything except for our domestic flights which was killer
1: and so do you guys write for them or do they take your copy that you write and do they have like rights for it? Like, How does that work?
5: No, basically we just make a deal with them to cover where we're going. So, oh, We I just said, look, this is what we want to do. We want to come there and climb. They didn't mm. even really know that much about the climbing on Cayman Brack. It's more known for its diving. And they're like, oh, huh, cool. We actually haven't. So we're just guaranteeing them editorial coverage. So it's like we're going to have some photos in our gear guide and we'll do a destination feature. And they're like, great, sounds good.
4: <laughs> Fuck, that's the yeah. way
1: to do it, man. It
5: is, yeah. I mean, it was I, killer.
1: That's how you have
5: to, though.
0: Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say I have to ask. Like, how stressful is it then? Hey, Phoebe,
1: say I have a question for you. (laughs)
0: Excuse me, guys. So that you can backtrack a little little bit. Yeah. (laughs) With like essentially six of you guys there, Mm -hmm. when it comes to crunch time, I can only assume that it is very stressful. While we're actually there, or when like when it comes time to like be publishing an issue. Or are oh, those kind of like... Oh,
5: you mean at, at, at climbing, not yeah, like at sorry. Cameron Brack. Yeah,
2: Cameron Brack wasn't stressful. Well, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> wish I was still there. <laughs> Moving the the offices, offices like, over there, man. Yeah, like, oh, that was pretty chill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you got the sixth person from. Yeah, I know. There's, there's, it Your yeah, sounds like group. a nice sorry. big staff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No,
5: deadline. With the one of
1: you there, how is it running?
5: <laughs> well, last time I worked there, there was this one of me by the end. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. 2010 or That's whatever? That's when I left. Yeah, I was like, one person can't do this. But now there's yeah it was fucked but three (laughs) of us um yeah deadline's pretty grim you know we're passing Mm -hmm. uh, passes back and forth and that final like two weeks before we upload is it's definitely crunch time and you know we sort of stop answering email and you're just head down looking at the proofs trying to make sure you don't screw things up
1: well you guys go into deadline next week right
5: yeah we upload in about two weeks
1: so what does that mean like describe your next week because you're all both on different sides. You're digital, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You're print, Matt. But Kevin's pulled in a lot for print, especially at
5: the end of the cycle. I don't know. You describe it. That you probably have a better grasp of the horror. of. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, sure. Well, it's actually... I would say it's evolved quite a bit over the time I've been there. Uh, the way it is now is that, you know, all throughout the print cycle, we're working on stories. Uh, things are going into... Passes, which is basically like we have the story laid out and it's on paper and we circulate it from me and James to Matt Where each of us are editing it and looking for, you know typos and how to spruce up the story uh, on paper And Matt's entering the changes and every story goes through that three times Basically, so that's happening all through the print cycle But as we get closer and closer to deadline that just kind of becomes our entire job every day So, like, just circulating passes as fast as possible and getting through everything. Um, That's how it is now. When I first started the (laughs) magazine, uh, we would basically save all of that for the last week. Oh Jesus! And have like a bunch of weeks where things are really laid back and easy, <laughs> and then one week that was horrible where we worked till like eleven or one in the morning every day. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and the the not doing that is much better now. I can say yeah. distribute
0: the the stress a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's the
5: same amount of work whether you do it in one day or, or three. So it's yeah, like, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um. So we're gonna talk about publishing. What? <laughs> So basically, I see magazines. I mean, they're obviously struggling everywhere. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is not news. How do you keep, and this might be a question for you, Kevin, how do you keep, like, you have um, Google. You can just read a magazine on Google, basically, whatever you want to. You have, like, nimble, malleable online competitors that are shutting down magazines. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all shuttering their doors. Um, The great editors, like Graydon Carter and Jan Wenner, are gone. Like, it's all different now. Um, Did he get
5: pushed out of Rolling Stone when they
1: restructured? He sold. Her? Oh, that's or right. He sold and, like, his son yeah, took it over. that's right. Something like that. Okay. Um, so, And then Graydon Carter, of course, was, like, Terry McDonald as well. You remember him? Are these Esquire editors? He was Esquire, Sports Illustrated. Okay. Oh, my God. Read his book. Uh-huh. It, his newest book. It is amazing. Is it about the state of publishing? Or- it's about the golden age. So, like, you'll read it and you'll mm. be like, oh, my God, I, I fucking, fucking should have been bored 50 that. years earlier. Yeah, missed <laughs> that. these dudes are, like, taking limos and yeah. private jets yeah, everywhere right. they go. Right, yeah, they're um, rock star well, editors. Well, how do you keep a genre magazine, like, climbing, like, relevant, number one, and number two, open, with all of that, all of those vast competitors just, like, gobbling everything up? Like what are new ideas, uh, new fronts that you can explore to like, I mean, you have a podcast, for example, that's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. What else do you guys think is going to be on the horizon to like uh, keep your competitors at bay? You mean like the big, not, not the endemic competitors, but like the big people, Google and Facebook, they're gobbling up advertisers. That's exactly what I'm talking about. They take the eyes. Right. If the advertisers don't see eyes looking at climbing. Yeah. Why gonna, go to climbing? Exactly. Why yeah. do it? So you have to think about this. Like, what are the ideas that to take care of that problem? A <laughs> <In laughs> minor th- detail. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> minor, minor problem. issue. What the fuck do you do? Is what I'm trying to say.
5: I don't know.
0: This is <laughs> no, just you're asking me. Uh, you're trying um, to solve. You're asking them a really hard question, Dave. That's like the. It's something no, it's I think really about all the time, though. Yeah,
5: I do too. It's usually around three a.m. when I'm it's, like, <laughs> yeah, <it's a laughs> how am I going to keep paying the mortgage and feed my children?
2: Because yeah. we're in a dying industry. Yeah. It's mostly when I'm just like pacing around my apartment, going, "Fuck, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly." But there, ha- I think there has to
1: be a way. So, for example, you guys started a podcast, the Basecamp Podcast. Uh, Kevin Riley's the host. It's I've listened to every episode except for the new one. It's great. Listen to Basecamp if you don't already. Um, but what else is there to do?
5: I mean, it seems like pinning all your hopes on print as the kind of prestige part of the brand has its pros and cons, right? I mean, it seems like that's what some titles do. Like Rolling Stone, they're basically out of business. Like I've been a subscriber for years. They were down to like 55 pages. It was staple bound. There was hardly any content, you know. They took a huge hit after that story. What was it? The story that ended up just being concocted. The, the rapes, college rape college story. Rape story. Yeah. yeah, you know. I think after that, they really started to lose advertisers. I that, Their credibility man. took a hit, and you could see them like declining. Till I was finally getting this staple-bound thing. I was like, well, I guess I'll renew for another year. And then one day, it showed up, and it was this giant glossy. Have you seen the big changes they did? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they went to monthly from weekly or, or bimonthly. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like six months ago. And they're putting out big issues. They're under new ownership, new management. They seem to have gotten advertisers back in. Um, so changing their format changed it up. You know, the reporting means essentially the same, but they definitely took their focus more back to music, which has always been their core. So it seems like that's one thing we've seen magazines doing and that's one thing at least i've tried to do to some degree with climbing is bring it back to the core like if you're going to keep try to keep print alive then i think you need to yeah. somewhat bank on the nostalgia people have for the the glory day the golden years of print mm-hmm. and what that magazine signified to them i mean that's difficult right with an aging readership because you know you're always trying to court that 27 to 35 demographic and those people probably weren't reading climbing in the 80s and 90s because they you know were, we're just kids or whatever but um yeah i mean it seems like that's been one approach does this succeed i don't really know but it seems like that's been one thing people do is they take that and say this is this is still the heart of the brand we're not giving up on print even though media is completely shifted and then from there you have everything sort of extends from there you know the website the social media you know climbing you know kevin's done a great job with the site and the social media You know, it that's looks been-
1: way better thank you
5: than five years ago
1: but that's a that's a tricky thing, I think, for you because if you, as an editor, mm. if you hold on to the nostalgia or um, kind of wax poetic about the old days, that's a bad spot for you to be in in your head. Mm. So you constantly have to be in two cycles, right? Thinking about like, okay, the print has to be the beating heart of our operation. But... Fuck print because we need to get some advertisers. We need, yeah, we need no to, like, one wants to print scope. ads anymore.
5: Yeah. 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 I don't know. You can get ossified and calcified and you can get totally sclerotic about it. I mean, I don't know what, to be honest, I don't really know what's right. I mean, these are conversations we
0: are having and have all the time. It's like, what do we do? Well, one thing that probably doesn't help is you guys are already spread pretty thin, like introducing new ideas or like, um, mm-hmm. Uh, things to try it was hard when when you don't have the manpower to do so and that, that's actually I wanted to ask you Kevin as someone who was a big part of like making sketch videos and online content at College Humor is that something that you guys have explored it at, at like climbing
2: creating more video content and stuff uh when I first started at the magazine we dipped our toes in it yeah um we made one video that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um what was the video <laughs> Uh, I think it's called "Don't Be That Guy at the Crag." Okay, and it's just like me going around <laughs> doing like all the wrong, stuff. dumb shit, like eating peanut butter with my fingers, and then like fondling yeah. holes on a boulder problem, stuff like that. Which I I did not actually rub Ooh. peanut butter on a boulder problem, for the record. <laughs> um, well, there are plenty of people who do. Put, though. put <laughs> your pitchforks away. <laughs> uh, and I think it would be fun to do more stuff like that. We've yeah. talked about it a little bit, uh, and we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Totally.
1: How else are you going to try to, you, Kevin, like tackle the evolving landscape as a digital editor? Do you have any plans to, like, I, I, and I literally don't know. That is a true, true question. Like, what can you do to spread the seed of Climbing Magazine, like, online? Are there any ideas or ways or uh, toys a, you're playing
2: with? It's a good question. I think just over time, I have to be paying attention to what the trends are, uh, what's going on in the digital space and not like, I don't know, I guess trying to figure out how to use whatever the new thing is without hurting ourselves in the process. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe eight-ish years ago, Facebook kind of started eating the internet uh, and google and youtube and people kind of started instead of going directly to climbing.com or whatever website it is to get their content like a lot of people started just finding things in their facebook feed and we could either shun that kind of thing and be like we're not going to let facebook take our traffic or we can try and embrace it and figure out how to work with it yeah and you know if we ignore it people are just going to stop coming to our website so uh, i don't know if i have a concrete answer on how to do that but i think it's just Always trying to figure out how to better reach our audience using what's available, going to them where they are. Fucking Facebook's dying too, though. Who uses
1: Facebook? I mean, I use a little bit. I mean, for cat selfies. It's <laughs> yeah. <just> Dude,
0: indispensable.
1: <laughs>
0: I want to ask Kevin about his comedy stuff.
1: Yeah, let's dip back and forth. Sure.
0: Okay. So, for example, one article that i've been seeing recently in some of the newer issues is your unsent yes articles and i really <laughs> it's the enjoy the headline <laughs> um i just think it's that's that's an example i think of content that you guys have at least start putting out that's original and like definitely catches my eye over some of the other things that i will sometimes just breeze by and it's kind I think climbing compliment. <laughs> <laughs> He's an yeah. expert at that. Most well, your mag sucks, except for us. <laughs> oh, Actually, you I'll reach take this one. knife
2: exactly. Like, yeah, it works yeah. in your favor. Uh. That is my one story I have in every issue, so I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's good because climbing is such a it's such a
0: sport or activity that's just ripe for parody.
1: Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll piggyback on that because you guys definitely um, have co-opted humor. You have you kevin and lucas and i mean you own like you're the author of a book that i own that's pretty damn funny what uh what, the not the crag the book climbing dictionary yeah the oh, climbing yeah. dictionary yeah. so if you can make people laugh man you're gonna be sitting pretty good
5: you gotta try right i mean it, yeah climbers can get so sort of self-serious and it can get so ponderous sort of reading about it that mm-hmm. If you don't to take... I mean, I think the British are... They're the ones who are best at it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the old magazines back in the day, On the Edge, I mean, they used to, you know, like, take the piss out of each other. and They just do it ruthlessly with these cartoons and stuff like that. And, yeah, it seems like there's always a place for that humor. I don't know. Do you guys listen to the... The Enormocast just had their
1: TAPS edition. I, d- I haven't listened to any of the um, new... I mean, I listen to every Enormo cast I haven't heard that one yet. Though. I posted
2: an angry Facebook comment on, on the release of that. You did? <laughs> what? what were you angry about? Well, they, they, were <laughs> well they, they were saying that climbing humor is dead. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> going to bring oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they like, brought fuck up. fuck you guys. I'm the climbing <laughs> humor guy. I don't, <laughs> that, right here. I don't think they were saying that you
5: can't do, do it anymore. I think they were saying that people don't respond to it in the way that they used to. I don't That's what, at least yeah, what I got out of the
2: they, podcast. A lot of what they were saying is that people are... Are very sensitive today And that it's really yeah. easy To offend people Or have things Taken the wrong way And that makes it More difficult Yeah For a um, publication That makes sense. For anyone d- I guess mean, anyone I don't know Fuck I don't know. those people I don't know though. If I agree with that
1: <laughs> I, I don't
5: understand that though. Who was saying that Bisharat. Bishrad, I think Brought it up And then yeah. they all Kind of discussed it I mean I think He was just saying That you can't At least what I What I understood Was Andrew saying You can't put Climbing humor out there In the way that you used to Because of the political correctness and grievance culture. That was his point. If you okay, put it out there, people aren't going to respond initially to the humor. Mm-hmm. They're going to look for trigger words to get upset about. It.
1: That was his point. You could be like Roger Stone, man. If, if any news is good news.
5: Is that his motto? Yeah. like mm-hmm. it, it's.
1: Oh, no. His motto is it's it's just as good to be infamous as it is to be famous. Mm-hmm. And look, today he's famous. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's a good day for Roger Stone today. Yeah, he's one of my heroes. Um, I, I don't agree with that because i think if you are like throwing a jab at someone in your humor and it's not like either coming from a good place or not or just like ruthless for no reason then i don't think it's good humor so i think it's your fault for not being funny in that in that place
1: it's kind of weird that they would be just. Dis- I I I can't wait to listen to this. We're talking about another podcast on our podcast. We're gonna get fired <laughs> so by the owners. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's totally firing ourselves. It's like when
2: one rapper like starts <laughs> challenging another rapper. To exactly. Talk shit about them Normal cast, you're going
1: down. Um, but driving. I mean, fucking Caloose... Got like uh, quasi famous because of his aid rant, you know. That's right. The all all aid is easy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So he must have been disagreeing. That I mean, I think there's a huge place for humor in climbing. God, it's like you said, everybody's so self-important. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're. We're climbing on rocks, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah, who cares? But... I'm not curing cancer, <laughs> no, man. Yeah. not making better tasting bread. No, we're probably causing it. I mean, <laughs>
2: probably <laughs> causing <laughs> cancer? <laughs>
4: uh,
2: let's see. I don't know. I think like um, the way I approach, approach my humor most of the time is like I'm attacking specific I- ideas and mentalities that I see in the community that I don't like. I'm not just like... Have you seen this fucking guy, Chris Sharma? Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Fucking yeah. Gumby, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What well, he his shirt off. Ooh, something to prove. Look at his haircut. Ooh. What are you, a mop? <laughs>
4: I did make fun of his haircut <laughs> recently. Kevin, how could
2: you?
1: <laughs> he kind of does have a bowl cut right now, though. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not It's not the best Sharma haircut we've seen, it guys. It is no. not,
5: it's not, man. It's not dreadlock, oh, golden yeah. dreadlock era. are hamp, hampy. And...
1: Dude, we've had like 20 years of beautiful yeah. Sharma hair, and yeah. now he's got like eight-year-old I mean
5: he's got kid. two kids that's he probably didn't a good time to wash I, his hair anymore you know
0: I, do
1: you think he washed it before
4: no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that's,
1: that's gonna be our
0: we found our next sauce night topic Sh- Christian what, what Christian's Christian hair was yeah. the best hair yeah. I was
1: gonna write an article about Chris Sharma's hairstyles through the ages. Lynch, really? like his greatest uh, send with each hairstyle and mm. then kind of like boil it down to an inverted pyramid of wow. the greatest Sharma hairstyle. Have That's we seen brilliant. the final form? I of mean, Chris I think Sharma's it's got to be the dreadlocks, right? Witness the Fitness, the fucking dreadlocks. The dreadlocks, yeah.
0: I, I gotta be honest, those ones never sat well with me. Really? So it it wasn't... Wasn't
1: too jarring for me. Mm. Oh, it's kind of like he, he kind of has the alien or the predator fucking
0: dreadlocks. Yeah, they're so oh. like intense,
2: dude. I know, I love them. This <laughs> is Kind of um, on the nose, though, it's like, oh, here's this like, hippie
0: climbing, yeah. And that dosage where he has that haircut is he, he's so he, he's stoned the entire time, <laughs> like, he's on the couch, talking like, oh, the climbs are really is that the Dave Graham one where they're superheroes? And... Oh, my god, that's not the okay. I don't think Dave that's the next one, but right. but Dave Graham's also a yeah. kooky guy in those.
1: Somebody hand me my flute, man. Um, <laughs> so Kevin, let's people might not know your backstory, let's talk about um. How you got into writing, and you moved to New York, and
2: kind of started at College Humor. Sure, I just That's want to point story. out that you had a legitimate question that was on topic before, and I totally derailed it. <laughs> what was it? I don't even <laughs> remember. Was, I don't even remember I know, what you it didn't was. Say it. I <laughs>
4: oh. just interrupted you. I, oh, fantastic! I also
0: wanted to say that going back a step to what Kevin was saying, I'm doing it again. <laughs> I I like what you said about uh, your humor targeting like the tr- the silly things people do like like the one the unsent you had about training how people go through these hilarious cycles of like oh i just need to read these books and i'll be better i'll just buy these books i won't even read them like that Uh, happens
2: so often like totally based on my own experience
4: (laughs) that's
2: that's autobiographical yeah and it's true too yeah i mean i've done the same how to climb
1: 512 fucking sucks man (laughs) i can't climb 512 um you have to read it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I looked at the pictures. It was pretty Sometimes sweet. Sometimes it feels good to just get the book. <laughs>
5: I read all those That's the books. first step is ordering the book. Yeah, you know, I own all right. those And then from there, it's all optional. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, What you do next is up to you. It looks good. All right, no more derailing. Kevin, go. Tell, tell us about how you <laughs> ended <are> up. Who are you? <laughs> tell us about how you ended up at College Humor, and then we'll take it from there.
2: Sure. Jeez, um, you're asking me for my entire... <laughs>
1: History. start <laughs> at
2: like uh five or six years old You're
4: right
1: and go really yeah. in detail and slow yeah. um i remember <laughs> being interested
2: in trucks <laughs> yeah. um toy or real uh oh, you know question. just in general <laughs> just a general interest uh no so i guess when i was growing up i always really enjoyed comedy and gravitated towards it and watched like two hours of the Simpsons reruns every single night. Uh, but didn't think that you could get a career in it. Like my parents were supportive people, but if I was like, oh, I want to be a, a comedian or I want to write comedy for a living, they'd be like, no one can get a job in that. That's impossible. So I never really thought yeah. it was an option. Didn't want to know what I wanted to do when I graduated high school, but I was kind of like, oh, maybe I can go do cool shit and then write about it. That seems like, what magazine writers do so maybe <laughs> i'll do that <laughs> indeed um and when i was in college just like went 100 percent into student publications like i was the editor-in-chief of the student alternative magazine um i was like the police reporter for the newspaper i where'd you go to school uh it was this college called rowan university which is just this new jersey state school kind of near Philadelphia. Um, and I also worked on the poetry magazine, even though I don't like poetry, (laughs) I just like did everything I could, uh, and which ended up being really smart because I did not learn. I also got a journalism degree and I did not learn a lot by going to class, but I learned a ton by like, you know, running a magazine amongst, amongst the other students and like having the people that were older than me on that staff, like teach me things and then I mean, when I was the editor of the student magazine, I had a $30,000 budget to work with every year to make four magazines, Whoa, Uh, which is just like crazy when you're a student. Yeah, (laughs) it seems like a lot of money. Yeah, Yeah, man, that's not a pittance. That's pretty good. Yeah, and, and like we didn't need to have advertising. It was a really amazing experience, uh, and that magazine is no longer with us, which is a shame. Like the students there now don't get to have that experience. It's because they yeah. only had thirty thousand dollars and they spent yeah. it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> They're like we're out of money. Um, but anyway, I also got really lucky, and I got an internship at the Onion when I was in college. Whoa! Um, because I was just like hardy writing humor pieces for the student magazine, and um. So just to have a tangent is like, I think when you're a profession working in writing and media professionally, like kids will ask you a lot, like, Oh, how do I get a job in that? And it's just like, well, actually start writing. (laughs) Like everyone's like, I want to get a job being a writer, but no one wants to just write. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like writing's really hard and terrifying. So people don't do it to get like a portfolio. Um, so yeah, graduated college, got an internship at college humor because You know, I had an internship at The Onion and contributed headlines there for a bit while I was still a student. Um, If anyone doesn't know, there's like a core staff of Onion writers. I don't know if they still do it this way, but they have a core staff of staff writers that writes all their articles, but they also have this network of freelancers that only contribute headlines. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. It's a good idea. idea. Yeah. The idea is that you're supposed to be able to get the entire joke of the article from the headline. They have these people submitting lists of like 30 or 50 headlines every week. And they all sit in a room and read through these lists just like for hours. And just like, it's a room of comedy writers just sitting there not laughing, going just like funny, not funny.
1: (laughs) 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 How much do you get paid for writing a headline? I mean, these are freelance writers, so I'm not doing it for free. Like what's the... Yeah,
2: I mean, it was like 2006 when I did it. So I don't know if it's changed there. And it varied. Like, if you had a full, like, length story, you might have gotten, like, 200 bucks. Um, If you got, like, a news and brief, I think that was 50 bucks. It just depended what it ended up being. It's just, it's nothing. But you're making it up. You don't have to do any research. (laughs) I mean, it's one sentence. Oh, that's That's true, yeah. It's a pretty good word rate. (laughs)
5: Oh, yeah,
1: for 200 bucks. Yeah, that's... Some of
2: What's two hundred bucks just for the
5: head of a main story? Two hundred bucks for the main story? No, you didn't get to write the story. Only oh, so the writers got to write, oh, write the story. That's really good money. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's like seventeen dollars a word. Yeah, yeah,
5: that's that's way more than you get any. <laughs> what's cli- just real quick? What what's climbing, climbing now? Is, yeah, fifteen dollars a word. Uh- <laughs> or, uh, Thirty-five cents a word. Thirty-five. Yeah.
1: So. Geez, that's what it's been for. Thirty years. A, yeah, a
5: while. I uh, yeah. Well, you know.
1: No, I mean, that's really good. I expected you to say like 22 cents a word. Right. right? It's like, fuck, man, we there it goes. closer down.
2: to that. We pay a little less online. Ah, that's really good, though.
1: Okay. All you writers out there start sending <laughs> in crap to Matt. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you field all those
0: like submissions? Is that you?
5: You know, so I came back on two years ago. And as soon as I did, I set up an email because. Uh, yeah. Otherwise you'd spend all your day like answering query emails or having to fill your inbox. So we have, a, I think it's queries at climbing.com or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I go through there probably not as much as I should, but
1: how many submissions (laughs) do you guys get a month generally to
5: that? There's a lot to that. Really? Yeah. We need to update our guidelines on our site because a lot of what we get Mm -hmm. tends to be personal essays. My first time climbing devil's tower, my first time. And we don't have a spot for that in the magazine. So it's sort of like, well, thanks for sending this. I have nowhere to put it. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: So I, yeah, I couldn't even find the, like direct, the guidelines. I know I, we need I, to
5: clean that up. I think it's a little bit all over the place. We,
1: we, we will. So <laughs> we'll get our act together. What if, um, we're going to go back to your story in a sure. second, but I got one more from Matt. What, what if during a month you get nothing that you're going to work with? How often does that happen? Well,
5: to my actual inbox or to the queries inbox? So
1: to the queries or to your inbox, you spend a month going mm-hmm. through articles and you're like, I, I can work with this and it doesn't pan out and you have another one. Do you guys ever have months like that where you're just like, fuck, we got to take the whole shit the brunt of the of
5: like, Write everything in-house. Yeah. It's pretty rare. I think pretty people rare. are always coming to us with stuff.
4: That's good news. Yeah, it is
5: good. Yeah, it's, it's great that people want to be in the
0: magazine. I mean, you guys definitely have, like when I think of, Climbing magazines. It's it's pretty much climbing, so that's definitely on the on the mind. Okay.
2: They're there in the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty concise. <laughs> yeah. Climbing. Just, just to piggyback off Matt's answer, we do assign stories out to like writers that we work with regularly. Also. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if there's a piece of news or like a certain ascent or a certain just whatever that we're like we know we want to cover, we might have a writer in mind that we'll we'll reach out to.
1: Yeah. For example, give me an example of that like who are some of the writers you guys have that you're like okay let's pitch this off to him or her
5: oh i don't know We was all sorts of people whitney boland's written for us alexa flower
1: whitney uh, used to be a contributing editor at rock and ice, rock and yeah, ice i think she's I think.
5: freelance now chris van luven um he used to be the digital editor of at alpinist. alpinist now yeah. it's derek franz I yeah think. derek's there now yeah i'm trying to think who well, i mean there's a ton of people we use pretty yeah. regularly uh nice uh, sonny's working on an article like this morning i was working on an article by sonny trotter you know about route he did on OCAP, the pineapple express
1: so yeah it's you know a lot of the names you've kind of seen around that's good man that was one of my questions is like if you guys are struggling with submissions so it's Mm -hmm. because i have no idea but it's good to hear that like It's always full. It's always always full, full.
5: yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that's happened is is content is diversified across all these streams, that people tend to go to the same outlets over and over. So we don't see as much, I think, alpine and mountaineering stuff as I'd like. I mean, just going back to the the title's roots. But at the same time, every time we do these reader surveys, like alpinism is by far the smallest subset of our readers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like people do it. And they might do all the other genres too, but people who like only do alpinism is a very small subset of the climbing population.
2: It's really cold. It's it cold you cold. have to love to suffer. Yeah. Well, it's like,
1: you know, you guys are climbing. You've got the climbing and then you have alpinist who's got the alpine climbing. And it's right. all there in the title. There you, there you go. Yeah, It's the one magazine I will never fucking <laughs> write for because I'm not an you're, alpinist. You're not going to go alpine climbing? I remember when, No. I remember when <laughs> Pe- Peter Beale... Got a story published in Alpinist on bouldering, and I was just like, Mm -hmm. "How did you do that, dude? That's (laughs) amazing!" Trojan horse that one through. Yeah, do you know Katie Katie Ives? Uh huh. Um, Okay, let's go back to your story. This is gonna take some fucking editing, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Bouncing bouncing back and forth. Okay. So you're at College Humor. Yeah. Talk about um, discovering climbing, like Uh, that bridge.
2: Yeah. So kind of working up the ranks in, at College Humor. I started as an intern. They fired their front desk person like a month later. And I was like, oh, I could do that job. Worked at the front desk for a year. And then for a few years, I was like, my job was the guy that embedded like found internet videos on the website. So like, I'd go to work every day and be like, this cat video is cool. <laughs>
1: Sam, it's like you're hired. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and at the same time i was living the, living in new york city and i mean when i was growing up like i was always really into hiking and camping and um like bmx biking was like my life the entire time i was in high school and then when i moved to new york city i f- didn't feel like i had any of that element in my life and i was like not that super psyched about it i didn't like new york that much um and i was also performing in an improv troupe at night which i didn't Really enjoy it. I just felt like I did it because I was in comedy
4: <laughs> and I was supposed to. Inside like the contract,
2: man. Yeah. Um, it's impressive, though. But Brooklyn Boulders opened their first location while I was living there and <clears throat> I was aware of it and was like, oh, that looks cool. And I mentioned it to my, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> oh that was um, perfectly that was close to the microphone. <laughs> and uh mentioned it to my improv buddies and one of the guys uh had been rock climbing before and was kind of familiar with it and he was like, "Oh, let's go sometime. I'll show you how it works." And it was just immediately hooked like I felt like yeah. it was that thing I'd been missing all that time. Uh it had like, you know, the outdoors and the try hard elements I liked and also the just like hucking at yourself at something over and over again like BMX biking. <laughs> And so then it just became like, you know, all my coworkers would go to the bar and drink after work and I'd go to to Brooklyn Boulders and climb by myself. Awesome. (laughs) Brooklyn (laughs) Boulders is a really cool gym too.
0: Yeah. That place is awesome.
2: Especially when it was, when it was brand new It like still had this vibe that climbing was kind of this unknown sport and it it felt like more of a subculture, especially in New York city. Oh yeah, oh. The, the place, and it's got like it's just got a
0: cool like it feels like someone's gar- big garage. there's yeah. like ping pong tables, and yeah, I enjoyed
1: it. God us, I thought Ivan Green was the only climber that lives in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. So my question for you, as
0: a college humor fanboy, is how did you become a part of the sketches that they would put on? Because it seemed like it was like sort of a small group of of individuals who were actually in the like hardly working
2: series it was but the small group was just the editorial staff really okay yeah so i from the time that i was working at the front desk there i was also writing videos and articles and like humor stuff in any free time i had uh and also like during the cat video period i was also (laughs) doing a ton of writing and you know acting in sketches on the side um kind of at a disadvantage because all the other people there like thought of themselves as performers and actors and i had never really considered that before i was like in front of the camera being like oh what do i do with my hands (laughs) so i think i was objectively like the shittiest performer because i only thought of myself as a writer when i was there um but just over time got more and more sketches accepted and uh did more stuff along those lines until the last year I was there. My job was exclusively to write video scripts as part of the video team, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. So that also meant more acting and sometimes directing things. And I had a couple animated series that I was like the Bear and Shark project to lead on. Yeah, Bear Shark was one, and there was another one called Dinosaur Office. <laughs> uh, we made we made both of those. We were actually contracted by Nintendo to make. Both of those. What? So they were all originally released on their like Game Boy system at the time, the three D S, but then we'd we'd launch them later. So they were like sort of for kids, but they're both really weird and definitely had adults in mind too.
4: Oh my god,
1: that's awesome.
2: So you're at college
1: humor and you're getting increasingly involved in climbing. What's happening now?
2: Um, so a great a great example that at the time I wasn't super like I didn't see the writing on the wall was a lot of us at college humor at that time. were like trying to find the next phase in our career and like find TV writing work and just like evolve. And I made a trip out to LA where one of my former coworkers had moved this guy, Ben Joseph, who had gotten into TV writing. And I crashed at his place for a week and he set up all these meetings for me uh, to try and drum up some work. And I got there and then, like immediately was like, I only have like this many meetings. I rescheduled all of them for the last day I was there and rented a car and drove to Yosemite. Nice. <laughs> Shit. Um, and then, yeah. And then like nothing even really came of those meetings and then, yeah, that should have been a sign that that was what I wanted to do and not work. In yeah. TV. No one happened. Um, I, Got laid off from College CollegeHumor. Uh, they were kind of, I think, maybe struggling to adapt with Facebook and YouTube eating everything instead of people going directly yeah. to CollegeHumor.com. Mm-hmm. So at that time, they spun off their video department to be an independent production company and moved everyone to LA. They couldn't Whoa. afford to bring everyone with them, so I was the casualty of that. Um, unemployed for a bit. Actually, a really cool trip. Like immediately after that, like the day after it got laid off, I was, had a flights already to go on my first ever climbing trip where me and my buddy, well, I flew out to Oregon and rented a car and then had a week to make it to like San Francisco to pick up my buddy. And then we climbed everywhere on the way back to Oregon for a week. Um, and I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do with myself. And my friend hooked me up with an opportunity to submit a packet for SNL. And, but I didn't find out about that till I was like mid trip. So I like booked a hotel room, locked uh, myself in the hotel for like 24 hours, and just banged out like a 20 page SNL packet or whatever it was. Awesome. Nothing came of that, <laughs> and like <laughs> I applied for a few other TV shows, and nothing came of it. Um, and it was just like thinking to myself, like I don't want to live in New York, I don't want to live in LA, I don't like either of those cities. Uh, and if you want to work in TV, that's kind of where you have to be. Yeah. And what do I want to do with myself? Like, I really like rock climbing. It'd be cool to write about rock climbing. So I just sent Climbing Magazine a cold resume. <laughs> uh, there was no job listing or anything. And happened to get extremely lucky in that uh, the staff at that time, the editor was Shannon Davis, knew that the digital person was leaving in two months. And I had all this experience from being on more of the editorial side at College Humor, of being at like you know, a big popular website that he was like, oh, this guy could probably translate his skills to climbing and do cool things with their website. So it ended up working out. That is
1: fucking bonkers to you by <laughs> the way, to send a cold <laughs> resume. Must have been good to Dude. yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> to a, a climbing magazine. You've never worked in the industry. You don't know any. Oh know, I'm good friends with Dave Graham. Just, <laughs> um, it, we it, go
2: rock hounding together. I will say that, like, actually, or- I actually should mention that I moved into to uh, my grandma's apartment during this period because <laughs> I was holding out for the climbing magazine job. Where does your grandma live? Uh, she was in Brooklyn, but like deep in the middle of nowhere, like you know, like immigrant community, Brooklyn, yeah. not like cool Brooklyn. Wow, dude, you have your <laughs> own fucking story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Living with your grandma, waiting for a job at climbing magazine. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like a real climber. You became a real climber <laughs> yes. really fast, dude. Yeah. Um, oh shit. I forgot what I was going to ask.
0: Well, I was curious. So Matt, you used to be the editor in chief from climbing and then you had a little bit of a break, right?
5: Yeah, I was editor, editor in chief from 2007 till 2010 mm-hmm. and then left and then started back again in 2017 so two years ago now
1: and you were just freelancing that whole time right
5: yeah i was freelancing i was you know kind of building up a freelance business a lot of proofing copy editing um started to write for the mags again to some degree was writing books then started to work like half time for alpinist as their senior editor which is great oh, helping Katie put features and stuff together for the climbing life. Yeah. And then also working at yoga journal kind of half time doing copy editing for them at deadline. Like they'd pull me in as a freelancer.
0: So mo- most of your career has been working in like the magazine or writing
1: industry.
5: Yeah. It seems like I've been in magazines almost the whole time since I got out of college.
1: Nice. And you- books and, and you're an author is, uh, that's awesome. Is death grip still in print?
5: Yeah, I think they still sell it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't follow it very much. You know, like there's that's it was out now, I think six years ago now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I believe it's still in print and paperback. It should still be around. Fuck yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a great book. Read Death Grip. Get it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Let's talk about the magazine here a little bit. I have two copies of the magazine, one from Mm -hmm. 2015. Okay. The most current episode or uh, issue. Mm -hmm. So. When the old one was published in 15, 14, 13, whatever, there is not a single feature article in this magazine. Mm-hmm. What happened? Is that something that the, the publisher decides a direction you're going to go in? Or is that something the editor decides? It seems like it would be the publisher because climbing five years ago was way more on like a men's health Paradigm, mm-hmm. like we're gonna give you ten percent of the story ten times a year, mm-hmm. and at the end of the <laughs> year you'll have a hundred percent of every story. <laughs> Little snippets of it here and there. Exactly. What's that? Those are features. Oh, oh. Those are, there are two features. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so two <laughs> Kevin, features. A while, Kevin, though, Greg,
5: the feature well did go away. I think before twenty fifteen.
1: There are uh, there are issues where there is no features, no features, and one feature. Yeah. For like years
5: you know, it changed owners. I think a lot of that was, I wasn't there at the time, but at least what I've heard anecdotally, and maybe Kevin knows more about it, there's a reader survey and readers really at that point wanted more reader service. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the direction it was taken in. It's usually a joint decision between the publisher and the editor, you know, but it had a new owner at that point. I think they were thinking more along the lines of of Backpacker, which is one of the other magazines there, like a lot of skills-based stuff. And so like, let's try this with climbing. So I think that was that was the shift.
1: I thought it fucking sucked. <laughs> um, no offense to the editor, any editors. Um, I know Julie. I love Julie. She's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the editor before you, and now she's still editor she of She was editor in
5: 2016, and features were yeah. back under Julie. Like yeah, three, exactly. Three like, robust features an issue.
1: Yeah. Um,
5: Hey, puppy. Hi, Clyde. Good Clyde. boy. Clyde. Yeah, Clyde's I don't know. Kevin now. was there more during that time. He might know more about this. Yeah, do you know like yeah, I how think... that paradigm shift? Can you let him out real quick? Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, I'm gonna... that, he's going to poop on the floor because he's 14. <laughs> <That> <laughs> he's like, actually be really good for the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to smell very good.
4: Go
0: ahead, buddy. Go get him, Clyde. Go get him. <laughs> uh,
5: um, he's just like, I love
4: obviously. Yeah, I know.
2: So inspiring.
4: Okay.
2: Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I I think Matt's version is basically correct. I came in when Shannon Davis was the editor and the story I heard was that, um, uh, our parent company or whoever was the editor in chief of backpacker shook up that magazine a bit and redesigned it to be more of a service oriented magazine. And it worked. What does
1: service oriented mean?
2: Uh, basically like skills, how to tips, like telling, giving the readers something that they can learn Mm -hmm. and execute on their own. Um, and it worked really well for backpackers, so they were like, "Well, let's take that model and apply it to climbing magazine." Uh, and they did, and it didn't work out for us. And I mean, I think Shannon Davis recognized that while he was there and started moving us away from that. Julie moved Julie moved us further away from that, and I yeah. think we're, you know, kind of fully in the past on that now. It's kind of like the opposite of
1: what you were talking about being a core magazine, right? Is when you have like, this is how to tie a fucking monkey paw (laughs) or like how to use your Prussik. It's like, come on, man. Like that's the least core thing. And that you think stemmed from the rejiggering of Backpacker.
2: That was a story I heard. Um, I think there's probably, uh, and this is me speculating, I think just an observation that the sport was growing so rapidly and that all the new gyms were putting out people that just didn't have a lot of skills and Mm -hmm. and we could be the people that helped them out. Totally.
1: Oh yeah. I can see that.
2: I mean, it's just a hard
5: niche to fill though. Right. I mean, climbing is so like, so technical. Yeah. I mean, these huge books have been written by, you know, guides like Topher Donahue and, and Craig Lubin, these people with this vast body of knowledge about it. It's like, Really, if you're gonna cover skills, like you need to have that level of understanding and you need to write a book. I think it's yeah. difficult. Like you can offer those things in a magazine, but I think it becomes difficult to try to offer something meaningful along those lines in a sport that's this big. And I mean, the difference between telling someone how to dine out to a gym volume versus telling someone how to seat a hook on an A4 lead, <laughs> yeah. it's like you're speaking two different languages, but yeah. it's still all climbing, right? Yeah. And so, how do you encapsulate that in a magazine where you only have 80, 90, 100 pages? And, to and work it's, with? I'm
0: sure it's tricky too because then you're catering to one audience and then potentially turning off another mm-hmm. if you have like stuff that's more basic and whatnot. So,
5: yeah people are always
0: climbing climbers get cranky if it's too basic (laughs)
5: the advanced climbers are on you yeah exactly if it's too technical the newer climbers are on you so yeah it's it's hard to win but yeah i think that's that's the trap you get into with too much reader service
1: yeah i don't think there's really a middle ground i I feel like kind of like you are a service magazine or you aren't right or you're gonna like focus on features focus on core stories Mm. places where people can't go but they want to read about it um So, I got another question for you. Uh, Oh, fuck, I did it again. (laughs) God damn it. Um, Dave loves it. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys know this, so it's for both of you. Have you seen when you start publishing more features, is there like a rise in the subscriber numbers? You know, like, can you tell you're doing the right thing? Oh, you never
5: know if you're doing the right thing. You only hear from people who tell you you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, You know how it is. If you like something, you like it, and you move on with your life. If you hate something, and you, you, then you go out of your way to complain about it. So yeah. who, 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 who does anyone ever hear from? Exactly. Know? I mean, like on this podcast, do you guys hear like, yeah, good job? Or do you only. say something wrong? Really. Only. <laughs> every, every, well, our friends, every, okay. Well, yeah, my good. mom calls me every <laughs> podcast. She's like,
1: David, that you, you are such a special boy, right? you even with every episode, you get even better, David. I'm so proud of you. I'm so exactly. proud of you. My bedside were such yeah. Feedy's parents call me though, I, and they tell told me, told them, how proud I was like, Yeah, we started they are.
0: one. You guys should check it out. And they're like, Cool, cool. Yeah. No, we're <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> be honest, we're probably not gonna listen to We're so
1: new that we haven't gotten any hate mail, but when we started this podcast, we had a conversation like. It's like, like brace yourself. They're going to be people like you're fucking stupid. This podcast is a waste of time. It's like, dude, don't listen. It's all right. Yeah, you can get it's my okay. email. <laughs> yeah. I took my it was you. I don't
0: mean, know. I think having haters is a good sign too. Cause then you, have, you yeah. have an audience.
5: You have content, you know, that people are engaging with one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in the climbing world, you know, I think we get some letters here and there from people who appreciate individual features because they connect with the topic. Overall feedback, it's hard. You know, we've reached out to people in the industry, some copies of the mag said, what do you think? We sent them out to like 25 people in the industry. We heard back from three and you know, they'd, they'd mark stuff up. I mean, I think letters is some measure of the health. We do reader surveys, but again, I think it's so self-selecting. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the thing. It's like, Maybe only the people who are going to answer the survey who are disgruntled, or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's... I, yeah it's, you just don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't like, I, I read the New Yorker, but if they sent me a reader survey, I probably wouldn't take the time to answer because yeah. I'm mostly happy with the New Yorker. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, I, and I express that by spending my money on a subscription. Yeah. So maybe subscriber numbers are some metric, but you know, our subscriber numbers have been pretty flat for
0: a while. So it's hard to know.
5: I mean, you just try to do what you feel is best creatively and then get it out in the world yeah. and then.
0: I personally, I always my favorite articles in climbing are the ones where someone goes to a climbing area, then essentially talks about how you can plan a trip for yourself to go there. Like there's there was an issue about spearfish, and I ended up going there, and mm-hmm. the, the, the that that article was very helpful. I believe it was written by Kyle Ward. Okay,
1: but like I destination pieces, yeah, destination pieces, so much. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, those are fucking actually pretty sweet pieces. Because it's like sometimes. It, if you go to like Mountain Project and you look up an area, it's like very opaque. It's yeah, like, here's a list of routes and no topo or anything. So, yeah, Mountain Project
1: changed the whole fucking <laughs> world too, right? Yeah, exactly, shit.
5: all destination information is available there. So,
1: yeah, you never get a magazine. To, that's the thing; you don't get a magazine for anything other than to read. In my opinion, about like other people's adventures, storytelling. Exactly, you want to yeah. read just like the New Yorker, man. You want a, you want to read a good piece of narrative nonfiction right not like how to fucking double back your harness <laughs> if that is still a thing. i don't them think that... yeah they have <laughs> auto
5: buckles i don't know, you know. Oh. Uh. yeah <laughs> yeah. oh no my 1998 petzel is that <laughs> a date the alpine bot harness <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah dude always the alpine bod that's it yeah. um so if a genre magazine let's say light like climbing um I'm going to read this. Had the best writers, Mm -hmm. the most funds for print to pay them. Mm -hmm. Okay. The finest contributors, art, artists, photographers. Would that magazine be around in 10 years? In today's media environment. In today's media environment, a genre magazine, not the New Yorker. Right. Not any of those kinds of magazines.
4: I
5: hope so.
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, as a, it's a roundabout way of asking, what do you think? As hey, an I, editor, I gotta let Clyde in.
5: Thank you. Clyde might know.
1: Good boy. Um,
0: hey, hey
5: Clyde. Hey,
1: I'm kind of asking, what do you think, in your estimation, as a guy who's had his thumb to the pulse for a while, what's the future of genre magazines like climbing? Super open ended. Answer it however you want
5: i mean here's the thing about climbing so much of the storytelling is contingent on the photography right mm-hmm. yes. i mean so many other sports there's a lot of drama there's a lot of tension yeah but in climbing you're seeing these places i mean look at this cover right yeah this guy's climbing this arch in this cave with another arch behind him this is a spot you would never go to unless you were a climber yeah it's completely unique it's completely wild it's vertiginous it's beautiful and i think there's a visceral reaction at least that's what's always connected me with like back in the day when i was a teenager like 15 16 and first picking up the mags mm-hmm. i mean i remember this is when sport climbing was new and i'd pick it up and i'd see these photos of like C and and bukes and these places in france yeah. they were so beautiful and so far beyond anything i'd experienced as a new rock climber yeah. at that point you know down in
4: <laughs> thank you Clyde <laughs> down
5: in New Mexico where we had a couple sport areas but it was still really new then and there were some clean faces and stuff but you'd see these pictures of like yeah. Edlon Lange uh, Ed Lange on an 8A at CMI and sunset and he's ripped and he's climbing some crazy pockets and it's just it grabs you and I think that's what you need to try to continue to do is have that visual visceral storytelling and, and the words that go with it so yeah. I would hope that in a sport that's this niche where we're really connected to these places and to the activity, I mean, to the fear, you know, I mean, right. I mean, this is fucking scary. Like here's this guy on the yellow wall and the needles, like, you know, it's bolted, but it's run out and knobby and crystally and hairy. And you look at it and you need to see that photo to picture it unless you've been there, or maybe that photo makes you want to go there. So I would hope that that aspect of the storytelling has the kind of staying power that would keep climbing alive for another 10 years in the, in today's age. I mean, you can look at photos on your phone, but you know, it's not the same.
0: Instagram is like these little snacks versus, you know, something more substantial. Yeah. I like what you said a lot about how climbing as a sport doesn't necessarily have some of the drama that drives other sports and sports media. You know, like, I don't know. I follow MMA and there's always the storylines that draw you in. Whereas Mm. climbing, it's like, at the end of the day it is it's it's like one person works something really hard so the story almost can repeat but the the adventure aspect of it is always it was always new
5: right in the unique place in unique, of it. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, like Spearfish, you might not have thought about it unless you'd seen that destination picture. Yeah. And then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, cool, I should go there. That looks great. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a connection there that you form with the, the page, I think. The medium helps you form that connection. I mean, there's cool stuff like the project magazines doing cool photos essays online. And there's definitely cool stuff on the web. But again, when you look at something on your phone or your computer screen, I just.
1: It's so transient. Yeah. You, you click it, it's there. You go to the next website, it's like fucking out of your headspace. A climbing magazine sits on your shelf. I just went through, I have, I don't know, 400 climbing magazines, 300 climbing magazines. I just went through them like a month ago for absolutely no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Just like reveling in the picture. Nostalgia fest. Yeah, and, and feeling nostalgic about the first time I read those articles and how psyched I was to go... I mean, reading about Bishop was one reason I went there, and I've been there every year for the last seventeen years. Why I went to India—it's uh-huh. fucking. Somebody that dropped off so a, a,
0: like a, couple shelves of climbing issues at Movement like okay. a few months ago. So it's been really fun. Whenever I'm on break, I'll like grab an old old issue because mm-hmm. there's a lot of—I mean, climbing history has uh, a ton of characters in it that kind of are hard to know about I guess unless you have that kind of that that physical history Yeah totally but- and also, we, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's also funny. There's a few issues where it, there's like an article about some climber, like this is the future of the of the sport. And I'm like, I've never heard of this person. <laughs> I mean, I Tori guess. Allen is gonna be the strongest <laughs> yeah. female climber ever. Yeah. Yeah. She
1: takes up pole vaulting in Indiana. Yes, I think that's yeah, my year again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got a question about kind of the um, the Olympics coming up. Did you guys watch any of the Open Invitational on ESPN? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Okay, me too. Awesome. What would you think of it, first of all? What were your impressions? Um, I was skeptical going in. I, and...
2: A few things. And also, in September, I was lucky enough to go to the Climbing World Championships in Austria. Oh, oh yeah. And, and Innsbruck. Yeah, and those were, like, fucking insane and so cool and, like, exactly what climbing should be. Awesome. Like, the production was just, like, unbelievable. It's like crazy neon lights and like <laughs> amazing scoreboards yeah. and the announcer was really funny and it was just really cool giant was, crowds yeah, too, huge crowd and then um seeing the combined invitational like it just stuck out how kind of low budget it was and how they didn't do anything to like make it cool and i didn't know if there that was maybe because this is just like a new event they added on they're holding it in a gym maybe they it was low budget and it was more they were doing it to like fill out their team and give people experience, but then the other side of it was like the announcing was kind of weird. Uh, Meg-
1: Sam Farber, and Megan and Martin Megan was Martin. good.
2: I have nothing against the work she did. Yeah, she was great. Uh But Sam Farber had just like never seen <laughs> rock climbing before. <laughs>
1: They're <are> four stories <laughs> off the ground. Can you believe that? <laughs> he said that so many times. So many fucking he times. He really said that. Yeah, he said it because Aww. he's, like, appealing to yeah, the people who understand a story, right? Oh, you don't want to fall out of a three-story building. <laughs> well,
5: unless you had a rope on,
1: like the people
5: <laughs> like climbing the do in the event.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, he kept bringing up the movie Cliffhanger. God. Really? Like, this yeah. is a Cliffhanger moment. Oh, yeah, and it's painful. At uh. one point during the, the lead event, like, he goes to Megan Martin and he's like, so is it easier to do the moves when you're wearing a harness or when you're free climbing <laughs> on the bouldering wall? <laughs> huh <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, I mean, both. that's actually that's actually a pretty yeah, good question if you have the same move and then you could, move, <laughs> you could probably be easier without
5: the harness yeah right? i'd you say without the harness. one pound Fair. less so yeah. okay
0: i at least it helps maybe someone who's never seen climbing like have that person who's also completely
2: lost i think i think that was the goal and yeah. i get <laughs> it was that yeah and that's fine but I think my bigger issue was that the the way they presented it just kind of made it feel like baseball. <laughs> I, I totally agree, and a lot of that is like just the way Sam Farber talks. Um, but I feel like climbing's like a sport for people. Most people find climbing didn't like ball sports when they were growing up. It's like yeah. something that people can connect to that don't connect to traditional sports. And their production of it and presentation of it like felt exactly like baseball to me, so I thought that was unfortunate. They're in a sticky wicket though, because it is like
1: a competition, which is so oxymoronic to like uh, the iconoclastic iconoclastic climber who's like, I don't want to compete, man. You know, that's how we were all <laughs> raised, and then all of a sudden they're in a competition. But a thing about Sam Farber that struck me is like he said a bunch of stupid shit every climber was shaking their head the whole time um i kind of liked him but the the thing about it is that dude probably went to fucking Syracuse got his broadcasting degree and he is just waiting to announce like baseball yeah. or basketball or football and they're like hey Sam <laughs> we got a climbing. real big gig for you <laughs> you're going to go to ESPN3 to the open invitational of climbing, and he's like, "What the fuck is rock climbing?" <laughs> he yeah, must have had some conversations with his friends. Like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm I don't. I have no idea what I'm about <laughs> to do." What would you suggest that they? Did you watch it, Matt? No,
5: I don't. What? <laughs> when was it on? It was last weekend. Oh, I'm usually asleep by nine at
1: night. <laughs> it was at ten in the morning. Oh. 10 in the morning for
2: three days or two days yeah you can you can watch the live stream anytime you want it's still on espn okay on their website okay yeah it's pretty good i I mean i
1: I really enjoyed it
0: i missed it but i was wondering technically how did it look compared to like louder than
1: 11's production style was it very similar it was similar it was much choppier you could see the crew learning yeah. As the event went on. So, to stay a bold, out of the way. and To stay out of the way and also to get the full oh, story. Right. So, like a climber would fall and they'd just fall out of the screen and then and the, the d- camera d- would dip <laughs> down and <laughs> like, like, see them no. hanging there. <laughs> So, or you'd see a climber make a dynamic move, yeah. and like half of their body would swing out of the frame. Okay, and it's just like open the fucking frame, man. Right. <laughs> but it's the same thing that louder than eleven went through when yeah, they first started it's not doing it, just that. learning how to track the climbers on the Yeah,
2: level. you can see them tracking and all that the, stuff. learning how to do it. Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. I, I think it must have either been sort of like a low budget or last minute affair yeah. for that event because there are just certain things that stood out, and uh, we have a writer, John Bergman, who covers comp climbing for us that. Pointed this out pretty well, but just like they hardly ever displayed the score on the screen. Like they were almost never on screen graphics. So never. Yeah, if you were watching at home, like you wouldn't have known who was winning almost at any point.
1: And neither did Megan did a good job of like forecasting who she thought was going to be the winner. Mm-hmm. But you could tell they didn't really have a grasp on the scoring either.
2: No, I mean the scoring is complicated for those events. Like it is. Sport climbing, every single hold is a point, but they're not labeled so like you know no one no one watching including the commentators like is like oh that's the 13th hold like no one's getting that and then the overall standings where your placement in each event gets multiplied together yeah yeah, multiplied together if you're second place and then first place and then second and then first place like you're in your score is two (laughs) yeah exactly or if you're third 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 your score is nine and then the lowest score wins but like you need a pen and paper to work all that out.
1: And each attempt on a boulder problem is negative tenth of a point. It's oh, like fucking, it, mm, you need an abacus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Sam had no idea what was going on. Megan was pretty good. She yeah. was pretty on top of it. Um. But my question, aside from that, is like now that we're going, let's say, let's look into the crystal ball and say that this sticks. That competition climbing becomes something. ESPN mm. hangs on to it like fucking
2: curling at two o'clock in the morning on the Ocho. <laughs>
1: um, but it stays, right? I and actually, actually
2: noticed while the climbing comp was on, I think curling was on ESPN too. Oh, it was really. <laughs> oh, so climbing one, one, notch, up, little, one notch below curling.
4: Yeah. All right.
1: Um, what do you think it's going to be? Uh, is that going to change your coverage in the magazine? If it... Let's say it continues to grow. I hope it does grow. I had fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. I, and I hope all those comp climbers stay in the comps and in the gyms and they uh-huh. never come outside. But <laughs> it's really exciting to watch. Do you think you'll cover it more in the mag? Or is that something that some people want to read? Well, I mean, the problem with covering in the mag
5: is that we'd be so far behind oh, the news outdated. cycle. I mean, that's the one thing, right? Like yeah. back in the day before the internet, like there was hot flashes for news. You yes. didn't know what was going on. Until the mag came out. I mean, now we cover comps, we'd be like three months behind. That's we'd totally be like, true. Oh, sweet. So <laughs> uh, I think, you know, Kevin did a great job last year of setting up a comp channel at climbing.com, oh. which is an envelope within the site that is all things comp related.
1: And I'd love for us to keep pushing with that. Yeah. What's the, what's the plan for that? That's a, actually a perfect idea just to have a section of the website running with comps.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm excited we were able to do it. It's a learning process the whole way. Um, you know, I didn't have a huge background, like, watching or covering comps going into this, so, like, I have to learn a ton, like, there's so many events, um, and, like, we're splitting our budget from the budget we already had from rock climbing and applying that some of that to the indoor stuff, and uh, so I think we're just gonna, I'm going to keep learning, and we're gonna keep kind of growing it organically leading up to the Olympics and hopefully help the community like get psyched on it so there's more and more of an audience for it and people understand what's going on they understand who the characters are uh and get yeah
1: I think that sounds like something that uh climbing could own Mm -hmm. like climbing magazine if you guys jumped on that and like that's ours. That's ours. We have this under, that would be fucking awesome. That'd be, it seems like an opportunity, especially in the digital space. Mm-hmm. Cause nobody goes, USA climbing is like a boring site and there's like, buy our fucking gear. If it was climbing's, that sounds like an opportunity.
4: Yeah. <laughs> we're, no, we're, we're trying. We're trying. Yeah. yeah.
5: I mean, I think the problem for us is resources. I mean, given how small our staff is, we, we can only do what we can do with, you know, yeah. three people at desks in Boulder. Like, we need more money yeah, to right. have more we're, correspondence, to get to more events, people who are at these events. So, yeah, we're no, we've actively actually been pursuing it, like doing what we can and trying to get other people on board
2: just as the us comp climbers struggle to raise the funds to fly to like China yeah. and then Slovenia and then back to China. Uh, yeah, we, we certainly like can't afford to have someone on the ground at all those events. Yeah. I mean, our travel budget's not a $1, thousand, hundred thousand dollars a year, unfortunately.
5: It's yeah. <laughs> <That's> a, <good laughs> a little
1: smaller than that. When you see Alex Puccio started GoFundMe to go to the exactly. fucking world cup, that, yeah. Was, yeah. that was like two years yeah. ago. That was well, such a, disgusting. It's a man. bummer to see. I know. I know. What uh, luckily, other
2: it's, it's improving. Um, USA Climbing this year has, they're going to have like the USA Climbing team. Uh, And that's what, you know, the combined Invitational and uh, Nationals for Speed, Bouldering, and Lead are going to decide who that team is. And those people are going to get help traveling to all the international comps. So they actually have the experience going into the Olympics. Yeah, I think Americans are going to need it. For the Olympics, like,
1: they look pretty good, but, man, you look
2: at the Euro comps. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, we, looking at last year, you know, any comps that Americans did show up to, except for Vail, like, we don't perform that well. No. And if, you know, every country can have two people per gender, like, participate, and there's, what was it, like, 20 spots per gender, like i hope we get people in both of them i know <laughs> i don't know i mean it's always
5: been that way too i mean i think so a lot of its geography if you live in france and the comps in germany it's like a half hour plane flight if you mm-hmm. live in in california it's a
1: two thousand dollar and all <laughs> know, day plane it's flight. Yeah.
0: It's, a, it's a sport that you know the u.s is definitely maybe slightly disadvantaged in yeah
1: also watching it you're like fuck man what if jimmy webb <laughs> was like climbing in this comp? and i'm being totally serious like he's a monster a fucking yeah if he decided to vote
2: to himself i'm sure he'd win right yes right. no or, it's it's well. a good debate because comp climbing and outdoor climbing have really split yeah. and forked in such different directions like Look. jimmy is such a crusher but you know would he be good on like comp style double dino moves i don't know
0: i mean look no further than daniel woods he was the eight time seven time american bouldering champion and he hasn't he's been really struggling in the past few years he's so old though <laughs> you know what I mean? 28 or something yeah
1: he's he's probably about <laughs> ready to retire i'd yeah, say throw the towel, when
5: you're 28 years old that's <laughs> yeah. disgusting no, imagine being 47 and still rock climbing <laughs>
1: 44 me too what, dude. What,
5: a, what a joke how are you feeling by the way i feel like i'm 47
0: Yeah. (laughs) When we we came in, Matt was doing some yoga. I was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yoga's awesome. Tell tell us what hurts right now, Matt. What hurts, Uh, Matt? Please. Nothing right now. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, That's my fingers brilliant. are a little sore because I, I did some moonboarding yesterday. But. Oh yeah, the moon you're board becoming a moonboard savage. tweaker. I saw. On I Facebook saw. Yeah, so yeah. If anyone wants to send problems to Pinkle Bear, I'm looking for problems. <laughs> is that your name? Yes. That's my name on the moonboard. Okay, app, Pinkle yeah. Bear. Guys. I'm looking for problem friends to send list list friends to share problems
1: with. Ooh. I've got some pretty amazing V2s. Perfect. that I think you will find. Perfect. Very Sorry, David doesn't go down that It well. oh, oh, starts at V3. Yeah. It starts at V3. No, here. I'm starting a new oh, thing. Okay. I'm starting a new <laughs> thing.
2: V3. I think is was the bottom floor. I tried the problems that were labeled like easiest moonboard problems. And I couldn't do any of them. They're <laughs> super hard. They're no, good. that's why you
1: need yeah. to go to Dave McAllister's site because it feels like a shelf road. Five, eight. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay. Have you ever been on the Dave Street board ladder, just, ladder just, climbing? Yeah. I was going to
0: say, if you've been to the Dave board before, it's just, that's what jugs. I'm talking about. Jugs and vertical jugs. Yeah. Literally a ladder.
1: Um Let's end it on two questions. First for you, Matt. Mm-hmm. So you've been climbing for... 47... 32 30, years? Yeah, good. Good Whoa. with that. Wow. I, I read the books, shit. man. Thank you. Um, what are the biggest changes you've seen in climbing in your 32 years?
5: I mean, I think by far is the shift to gym culture and the crowding. It, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the one that... I mean, that's the one that you could...
4: Uh, Oh, that's Kristen's
2: our, phone. Sorry.
1: Sorry. Our producers didn't turn off the phones. No. Fuck, we got to hire some producers. Who that is.
2: You can answer. Yeah,
0: no Oh, worries.
5: it's my wife's phone. I'm not I don't even answer my phone. Why would I answer someone else's? <laughs> um Yeah, I mean even if you've only been climbing 10 years, I think you've seen the shift. I mean, gyms are exploding. They're huge. They're bringing huge amounts of climbers into the sport. And, and, and the crowding, I think, has been very site specific. I mean, you, you know, you see these articles and you see this alarmist stuff about how crowded the cliffs are. Mm-hmm. But the only things, the things that are crowded are easily accessible bouldering areas and moderate sport areas and some trad stuff to some degree. I mean, I think otherwise, like at least around here, I, most of the places I climb, I don't see another person. So it's, uh, you know, I think that aspect of it is still alive. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but it that to me has been the biggest shift. I mean, like gyms are great. Like you can be so strong now year round yeah. and you couldn't before, even when the, the early rock gyms, like they were so shitty that you struggled to even go in there and train. You're just like, oh God,
1: <laughs> you know, but. So I started climbing in a racquetball court. Mm-hmm. Yes. It became a gym Like traversing probably right Well you could go up 20, 20, feet, feet. 20 feet That's pretty dope <laughs> That's two stories for the viewers oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Exactly
1: For you neophytes out there That's two stories two tall stories above Sam the Farber if you're listening <laughs> uh, yeah. That is two stories Man Kevin that was a real cliffhanger moment <laughs> Um And what, what are some of the detrimental things You've seen uh happening in your 32 years Or especially ramping up right now with all of the new people. I mean, I think like the
5: zeitgeist exploding. I think it's impact. I think that's the biggest one. I mean, cliff base impact. It's mm-hmm. just a sheer function of numbers. I think. Yeah. The other problem for me is a safety issue: is people climbing in big groups. I think that that's creating a hazard for everyone. Like back in the day, I started climbing with the New Mexico Mountain Club, and I learned Ooh. a lot from them. But they would always go out in big groups, and they're like dropping rocks on each know, other and yeah. shit, and ropes, and you know, it just. And there's this new mentality, I think, that comes from gyms, which are very social and bring people into groups, to also take that outside. And multiple times I've been at crags where it's so loud, (laughs) I don't feel safe 30 feet off the ground because I can no longer communicate with my belayer. And I think like, Mm -hmm. I mean, like last summer I was trying this route up at Staunton and it was really hard for me. and I didn't get it. And like on the day when I felt the best, I went up there to try to red point the thing. And underneath me was two people having a conversation about someone who fell off a clifftop and died. And <laughs> someone else is talking about how to set up a fucking Instagram account for their dog. Like, and then there's like 50 other people around yeah, them. Like, it's yeah. in your ear. In your ear and in your head. And like that, that creates a hazard. It interrupts the climber's focus. It yeah. puts you at risk. It interrupts belayer climber communication. It creates distractions and hazards on the ground. And I think that that at least to me has been the biggest detriment of this explosion is like, just this sort of lack of awareness mm-hmm. of safety and etiquette. Fucking Staunton
1: what? too. Uh-huh. What if that's happening in Staunton?
5: Oh, well, that place is overrun. The dungeon is it really? You know, yeah, it, love it. it. blew up last summer, I think. Yeah, I and it was
1: that the was is the, is like a 13B out there? Is that what you were trying or a 13C? I
0: was trying this open project that uh, is on the same wall it's crazy how everything you just said there is like something i experienced very recently like really? we were, i was, I was at roy uh-huh. um, and roy isn't that supposed to be the middle of nowhere it's awesome though but uh-huh. it's blown up too and really? we were there this last weekend and there was a group of cu either the club or the team mm-hmm. it's like 20 like young college kids and they literally just swarmed like the middle area so we all like I was actually climbing with James and Nina. Oh,
2: James had a big cranky fest about that. Yeah, yeah we went up. We went. Sorry, keep going. Kevin. He was upset about all the uh, loose dogs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a dog trying to eat his Friction Labs, and he
5: was
0: upset. Yeah, about so that. the dog ate three hundred dollars of his Friction right. Labs chalk. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, one. That's ounce. one pet. Yeah, that's like a couple ounces. right? But we were we were uh, we went up the hill to avoid it, and like in the the canyon, you just hear this like audit this like. Coliseum of like
4: ah, oh,
5: Jesus!
1: I fucking hate it, man. I mean, Bishop is like the, the perfect done. Yeah. It's terrible. Do you need an
5: atom bomb at this point?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my opinion, <laughs> they should stop all camping rights in Uh-oh. the Buttermilk's, all camping rights in the Tablelands. Make everybody fucking camp in the pit. They're gonna have to, right? They have to. Yeah. It-, it is going to happen. I yeah. fucking guarantee it. But I mean. Y- if, if you're at like the Happy Boulder, I'm sure you've been there. Mm-hmm. So from Happy to That's like the Solarium, one with like the V6
5: and the V8. The Hulk. Yeah. The super, yeah.
1: Super popular and yeah. fucking great lines. Yeah, World good, class. Great Boulder. But I mean, it is padded for like 25 yards.
5: So you could do like a gymnastics routine. Yeah. <laughs> well, we try
1: to every time we're there.
5: Uh, cartwheels down the path. Yeah. And stick the landing.
1: Yeah. It's just fucking terrible. Places are getting overrun. I don't. I mean, we could go on for hours yeah, being to, grumpy. Yeah, to to beat a dead horse too,
0: it goes back to like a lot of climbers are coming up without necessarily a mentor. And I think that lends itself to people not understanding basic, like not, I guess, basic etiquette, right? Like um, we were also at Joe's and Morgan, my girlfriend was trying a boulder and she was getting really close. And then a squad of Utah climbers like rolled in like fifteen deep, mm-hmm. and just like the way they came into the space, like oh, dude, you were trying.
1: Like, uh, She was trying ki- kill by numbers, kill by numbers. Yeah, like, tiny
0: and, like, little area. Yeah, and like just not very friendly. Not and really? like they, they. It's like a little overhanging boulder, and they walked under it and sat like against this rock on the boulder. So we we're trying it, but so like, they're right in your way. They're right on the way, and we're like, hey guys, can you just move? And then they were being really loud, and went while she was trying it, and it, it just. You know, it ruins the, it ruins the, the... Experience. Reason you got into climbing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it changes the vibe. I mean, climbing like, when you're practicing
5: it, it's a very solitary thing. At least at least from people in my generation, like, that's what I got into climbing to avoid people. But, yeah. But I, I know not everyone's that way, which is fine. I think, I mean, so I lived in Europe for a while and Europe was just as crowded 20 years ago now as America is then. Mm-hmm. As it, it was just 20... You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I I crowded 20 years ago now, then. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Fuck it. Dude. Too, many yeah. Too many speed bumps. Too many speed bumps. Yes, yeah. I understand. Yeah. Everybody so, understands. But, you know, and over there, they don't have some great wilderness ethic because Europe is fucking trash and there's highways everywhere and they throw their trash out the window and shit. But they do understand personal space because Europe is also really crowded. You know, you grow up in these little cities and you drive your little Fiat and you're in your little apartment. And there's always people around you. And, and there's this understanding of like how to use a shared communal space. And I think America, you know, the sort of American exceptionalism, people are just like, yeah, it's me in the frontier. And I'm going to throw, yeah, like they did to your girlfriend. I'm going to throw yeah. my pad down here and get in your space. Instead. This is mine. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being like, oh, we're all on public land. We all want to try this yeah. problem. Let's figure it out. Yeah.
0: It would have been so easy to just be like, Hey, is it okay if we join you guys? Like just yeah, some, like, some communication. Yeah, <laughs> and it's
5: cool. And you may maybe meet some great new people yeah, and have a great time. Like it's all super
1: doable. And you're always going to say fucking yes. Exactly. You yeah. just want to hear somebody say like, Hey, you mind if we session this with you, and you're gonna yeah. be like, "It's like a handshake." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. can I ride, then, this, ride your draws? Yeah, <laughs> that sense that that sets the like temperature for the experience. So they step back while you're trying. You, you step back while they're trying. It happened to me once at Morrison. Fucking, but I'm not going <laughs> to Morrison. I'm not going to tell that story because it's no fucking Morrison. <laughs> okay, you're just okay. Was it the beta spraying lady? No, it was like 2002. I'd been climbing for like four years. I'd never had a bad experience. And I walked up and like, and it was 2001. And I said, hey, can I try helicopter? And it was this dude and his girlfriend mm. sitting underneath the boulder. And he was like, nah. Oh, this is No. <laughs> yeah. And I it was like, didn't even compute. I was like, what's that now? He's like, no, dude, we're, uh,
5: we're, we're trying it. He, he wasn't like sure work in with us. No,
1: he just said no. No, no we're we're working this rig, and it I was dug. I I fucking walked away because I was
2: like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how to hit <laughs> like. Yeah, am yeah, okay. I supposed to pitch a fit? Like, yeah, yeah. fuck you, man. I can uh, work it too. Sometimes when someone's like so unbelievably an asshole, like. You just like it catches you so off guard. Yeah, it that does. You, yeah, you're you speechless, just like right? Because you don't know how to respond. Yeah, you're <laughs> exactly well, that's what, what I happened. If someone wants
5: a piece of rock or some yeah. fucking taped up gym problem that bad, I'm like, you can have it, man. There's like ten thousand <laughs> other things I can go do right now other than be near you. Exactly. I got uh, in Clear
0: Creek one time. I was I was roping up to climb uh, in somewhere in Clear Creek. I forget the name, but this person next to us was like, "Hey, like, we're about to take some photos." Is it cool if you just leave, the- leave. <laughs> <laughs> i was like what like I wanna- did you what happened i told him i was like okay but i'm i'm gonna i'll be back in like 10 minutes right <laughs> i don't know like you don't want to i didn't want to like start an argument but it was yeah, just weird. To, worth like, it right We're, we want to take some photos and if you climb that you'll be in the background I was like, okay. And they're just like taking fucking Instagram photos, <laughs> Yeah, right? probably. Yeah, I don't no.
2: know. Sonic Youth YOLO. Seems way
1: harder since the rest broke, bro. You just don't even understand. Fuck you. You gotta satisfy your followers, Dave. Yeah. I don't have any followers. And if I did, <laughs> yeah, fuck their satisfaction. You know? Yeah, no. No, that's probably the truth. <laughs> I tried to get a lot of them. All right, let's wrap it up. Like well, well, just oh, just no, I have a one for question Kevin. for Kevin. Kevin. So you're in New York City which is like the epicenter of writing mm-hmm. and you moved to Boulder, which is the epicenter, epicenter of climbing kind of in America.
4: Climbing, it's one, writing. one
1: of the, so how was that? Like, how was it moving to Boulder and being like, wow, Boulder? Like what were your impressions? Cause that is a fucking yeah. big shift, right?
2: Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, I hated New York City and I wanted to move to the mountains for so long that it was such a welcome change. And but like,
1: New York is like the beating heart of the publishing, like writing world, right?
2: Yeah, I guess, but I didn't, I never felt like I was part of that community. I felt like I was part of the cli- uh, comedy community there mm-hmm. to some extent, but I didn't feel a strong connection with those people. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously like all my old college humor co-workers i'm still great friends with and i really like those people but like we'd be hanging out at work and everyone would just be talking about you know this movie or like this actor and i just like never gave a shit about that stuff so i just kind of felt like an outsider yeah and while i was there i was like trying so hard to figure out how to get into the outdoor community i had no uh, idea how to do it because i was so disconnected that i thought the way to do it was to like Learn survival skills. <laughs> Bear, watch enough Bear grills dude. You're gonna make so many friends. Well, I bought so many like, <laughs> like, like the SAS survival handbook and like oh, how yeah, to start yeah. fucking fires in the woods and stuff like that. Because I thought that's what <laughs> hey, outdoors man. people did. And uh and I even the this story is half embarrassing, half funny, but uh, <laughs> the best. So when I was like. Like I need to learn more like mountain skills. So I signed up for an hour bound course that was going to be in Patagonia where they were going to teach mountaineering for two weeks. Uh, but no one else signed up for it. So they canceled it. (laughs) You were the only one. Yeah. Well, but then, so then I was like, okay, I'll sign up for the mountaineering course in Colorado the following summer. Sign up for that. Everything's cool. I tear my shoulder out of the socket. I was like, okay, I can't do the mountaineering course but they already have my money. So I'll do two week backpacking course in Colorado. (laughs) So I did this two week. This is like the year before I moved to Colorado. I did this two week outward bound backpacking course where it was like, 27 or 28 year old kevin with <laughs> everyone else on the course is 18 oh! <laughs> and i did not learn a single skill because no. you don't need to know anything to go backpacking <laughs> i'd already been backpacking before oh my god that's fucking great yeah that's funny and then moved out to boulder like i moved i accepted the job and moved here having never been to boulder yeah. i was just like it has a reputation of being a cool mountain town and yeah. it won't be new york city perfect
4: yeah
1: <laughs> what were your impressions
2: I loved it. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) it's better than New York City. Like there's still restaurants you can eat at, and everyone was like, "Oh, Boulder's so expensive." But I was coming from New York. Yeah, you come from New York. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) I was paying over two thousand dollars in a month for a studio that had been converted into a one bedroom. Oh my god! (laughs) So yeah, I I love Boulder. That's sweet.
1: And yeah, then I either. learned
2: that you don't know, you don't have to know how to make a fire with twigs. To oh, like, hit, dude. Do literally anything. Once again, if you
1: go to Morrison, there's a bunch of people practicing that. <laughs> <in> <laughs> black yeah. hole. Yeah, they all have under helicopter. Exactly. Yeah. That's why hey, you, you mind if it. I get on
0: this rig? And like, no, no dude, we just got to gotta kindle this fire <laughs> real quick. <laughs> Getting into uh, communities is hard though. You know, it's like so opaque. opaque.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh at least, you know, working at Climbing Magazine is yeah. a very easy yeah. foot in the door for that. Fuck yeah, man. Um. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, guys. That's yeah, great.
1: thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was super fun. That was yeah. a crazy interview, back and forth, back and, and all over the map, jumping yeah. tracks. Yeah,
5: I know. Out of uh, order, like we uh, don't know what we're doing. Like a good thriller. <laughs> I definitely
0: don't know <laughs> what I'm doing.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Thank
0: you, Matt Summit and Kevin Corgan, for a. Letting us into your home. Yes, to, thank you, Matt. Uh, trusting us.
1: With Tr- in in the house? In the house. With the dog with and the, the kids. With the dog and the kids. And you were playing we're with so the Legos a lot I was too. Playing, that was, yeah. I could tell Matt was like, dude, leave my kids toys alone, but you, you I know, built some amazing. Is 2020, Dave. I couldn't believe you built the Eiffel Tower like during yeah. our interview. Yeah. It's if you actually <laughs> to scale How loud were those clicky clackies? Well, I we dampened it out okay. in post post production. So I, um, we'll try to post a picture of Feeties to scale Lego Eiffel Tower if we can. Yeah, I don't know if we got that, but... I hope we did. Um, I have a question for you listeners. And I would love to hear back to you from you on whatever, Facebook, Instagram, uh, thunderclingpodcast at com. We do um, read those, by the way. We read every single email. Um, so I'd like to know... If you are a subscriber to Climbing Magazine, why? And if if you're not, if you don't have a subscription to Climbing Magazine, now it is literally like fourteen dollars a year. I Less think than something that. is it is like twelve ninety nine.
0: I got it for like one year. I got it for like I think a dollar.
1: Unbelievable. There okay. was, they had a deal. It was like one dollar for a year. I could be wrong. So hopefully that's not going on. And <laughs> hopefully that was the last ditch promo. Um, I think it's around like $12 for a freaking year of a magazine that has really come into its own over the last like eight years of kind of struggling a bit. Um, I'm wondering, I know the subscription numbers, to me, they seem low. I'm not going to say them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're low or not. But the question is, if you don't subscribe for $12 a year, I'm wondering why. That's a really good question. Uh, I actually
0: think, if anything, it's this. Would reminded me that I want to re up my subscription. Yeah, me too, for sure. Because I I think it's important to support, essentially, like one of the two options we have for more long form content,
1: and for like all around an all around like you have Alpinist, which is going to be around forever because it's a beautiful glossy, um, it's a gorgeous piece. But climbing and rock and ice, man, they're like, it, when I was coming of age, were like the beating hearts of the climbing industry. Like that's where you went to get psyched. Plus the videos that we've already had a sauce night about. But I'm wondering if you can share with me, if we can have a dialogue, I'd love to have a dialogue with anybody who's interested. If you don't subscribe, why for $12 to support a climbing magazine? Cause those numbers are a little bit low. I don't like it. I need to come up with my own answer to that. So, okay. Anyway, thanks to Matt and Kevin. That was And thanks for inviting us into your home. Yeah. And Feedy, I have one final question for you before we get out of here. I noticed that you've um, been going to more jujitsu jitsu training <laughs> and uh, starting to get in shape, starting to get your yeah. submissions down. Yep, yep. You've been doing jujitsu for a long time, but uh-huh. it but seems like you're ramping it up a little bit right now. Well, I mean, let's be honest,
0: I haven't heard much from Cedar. Cedar right? But who knows? (laughs) He could be biding his time, dude. He could be going to Brazilian Uh Jiu-Jitsu training right now. He could be going three times a week. I'm only going once or twice. Yeah. And I have to be ready for that. So the only solution is to plan and be prepared. So I'm going in. I'm getting my gi training in. I'm getting my uh-huh. no gi in. Whoa. Getting my kimuras and my omoplata's Whoa. tight, dude. Yeah. What was that last one? Omoplata. Bless you. What omoplata. was that? Omoplata. omoplata. Yeah, it's a pretty cool move. Are you going to put an omoplata on Cedar I, Right? It- <laughs> if I land an omoplata on Cedar right when we have our wrestling match, because it will happen, Cedar, you can't run from it forever. All right? <laughs> if I will only go for an omoplata.
1: Oh, is that it? Yeah. So all he has to do is go to two bjj lessons to learn defense no he won't be able to stop it oh
0: and my oh, technique God. is gonna be so sharp it's gonna be like razor blade okay precision scalpel is there anything you'd the, well the, the the main concern for me is that my i'm worried my body's gonna fall apart uh-huh. under the stress
1: yeah of climbing and trying to destroy a cedar right so we better get this thing going is See, there anything now ladies and gentlemen we did not practice this i asked like, I asked this to Feedy Cold. Is there anything to close up our podcast you'd like to say to Cedar? Cedar.
0: <laughs> everyone, every, everyone has a great challenge in their life.
1: That's right. Yeah. And
0: you have the option of accepting this challenge. Facing it. Facing it or letting it become the biggest regret of your life.
1: Yeah. Walking away.
0: Wondering and, what could have been. And I don't think this is that challenge for you. <laughs>
3: What? Feedy. But
0: I want, I still think it should happen. I think it'd be fun um, if one of us
1: doesn't get hurt, which, I mean, I'm trying to hurt. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Cedar. Once again, the gauntlet has been thrown down.
0: Uh, I don't really know what else we could do other than taking out like a billboard or some fucking classifieds. Oh, my God. We could get, we could pay a, a get on Fiverr and... Pay someone to stand
1: in front of Cedar's house with a sign that says, No, fight me. No, I have a better idea. When he's like, uh, what does he do? Paraglide? Yeah. yeah, yeah. When he's <gasps> paragliding, we should fucking rent a little Cessna yeah. with like a banner behind it that says, like,
4: Fight me, Cedar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't run for <laughs> yeah,
1: Fight me, Cedar. With not your name. Yeah. I
0: wanted to him to be confused a little bit because I'm sure he hasn't listened to this podcast yet.
1: How can you say that? How dare you? I just Fee-D?
0: something tells me that he, no, I'm just kidding. he's not fucking <laughs> he's not wasting his time with this crap if you guys know Cedar and uh, um, let him know he's got a fan who's got a bone to pick about something he doesn't even remember I, we
1: just have to go back and listen to episode <laughs> one don't worry alright alright guys thanks for listening uh, once again if um, if you like the podcast rate and review us on iTunes that helps a lot if you don't have time that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. We don't care. B- 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 FD is if not anything, going just, to attack you if you don't do it.
0: in. Don't unsubscribe from us. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, please.
1: And again, if you want to get a hold of us, we read all the emails. If you have any... Um, sauce night suggestions. Uh, sauce night suggestions. If, you, if you'd if you like to be a guest on the show, uh, if you'd like to write for thundercling.com, uh, get a hold of us at ThunderCling Podcast at gmail.com. Is there anything else? I think that's it. That's it, bro
0: Signing in now. Uh, yeah, sign out. Beep.
3: Boop. had in the cold. (laughs) You can come into the climbing offices, they are the climbing version of Cat Fancy. Church.